Well, King Jesus, I thank you for all that you have done for us. I thank you, God, for a Friday with enough sleep. Thank you, Jesus, for... Now I don't have That's enough gas. Now I don't need it. No, it needs more sleep. Any more sleep for the rest of the day. And then I'll sleep light again. Like and up then in I can the hell of three hours. hours. Oh, Thank you, Jesus, lights. for my children. Be quiet. It's quiet time. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that we can learn from your word. Thank you for Lagos. Thank you for... Um, what does Lagos mean? The word. Lagos. Okay, am I praying or are you guys praying? What's going on here? I'm just wondering what it means. You're interrupting, so do you want to pray? I to interrupt, so please do you want to pray? I just want to be clear. Okay, oh, good. Go ahead. No. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Dear God, thank you for today. Um, please help Come us on. have a good um, day with lots of getting school done and no fighting. And we just fought this morning. What? We fought this morning. No more fighting. Okay, listen, Cade. Was he praying or was he just talking to you? Okay, then what should you be doing? Listening. Listening. Okay, Luke, be quiet. And help us do what good stuff Amen. All right, Cade, you have a turn. Please help me have a good attitude in school and in everything else for my whole life. And having a good everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, Hope, what do you want to pray? May I please we need to pray for Auntie Kathy. I don't want Dear God, please help Auntie Kathy in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't want to have anything to pray Amen. Well, that's not right. I'm glad Micah prayed for Auntie Kathy. Um, okay, I have... Um, oh, now I have something. Okay. Um, do you have... Micah, please help us. That we can play with Auntie Kathy this night. And... We can and go to Bob. Thank you for making... For letting me know how to tie my shoes. Amen. Amen. Okay, Luke, your turn for a prayer. Amen. Well, Lord Jesus, I do bring Kathy and Jeff and Christopher and Laurel, Christine, my body, um, to your presence. Lord, we know that we need... Your help. We need your love. We need your victories in this life. I bring a quip to your heart, God, that we would follow and obey you. I tear off every devil of distraction and disruption and disobedience or rebellion. Busyness, God, we remove that. Um, any stress from moving, we say that we are not stressed, that we are living life the way that you designed it, and we feel good about the things that are upcoming. I thank you, Lord, for um, feeling good about what's coming. 
I thank you, God, that you haven't given us too much. You've given us the right amount of things to do. I don't want you to pop that. Where did you get it? You're not supposed to be getting my balloons. I got it from one of my boxes. Okay. Your box? All right. He has a ton of pink balloons in his box. Then you need to give all the balloons back to me because that's not okay. No, stay here. Do it after. You, you understand? I've told you not to get balloons before. I've told you those balloons were not yours. So you that was you stole them? Because the balloons were out and uh, you said take anything you want. And I don't know. For family camping. No. no. I didn't ever say take anything you want. Well, remember that time when the bag was out? I didn't say take anything you want. In fact, every time you reached for a balloon, I said, the balloons are not yours. Put them back. And I've seen yellow balloons around, and I've seen pink balloons. Where have they come from? I've seen yellow balloons around. I don't remember doing any balloons. Okay, I feel like I'm I need to be able to trust you. That means you need to follow through on what I say, not what you just want. And if you're not sure, what do you do? Ask. You ask, okay? Alright. Don't you do the balloon around the table because there's food here. Okay. okay? You have to ask just on the ground. Thank you, Cade. Alright. Um, Can I um, go get my special box? No. That's too late. You know it's 10? It's 10 o'clock when you finally sat down. You guys all finally sat down. It's too late. Just color or something. I don't have anything to color with. Mm. Well, you got some markers Can you move the dishes off the table? I'm sorry, Daddy. Can I get paper? These are your papers from yesterday. You can continue to work on them. They're beautiful. Okay. Come on, let's this do it. This is Psalm 9. All right, every day that I sit down to pray, I feel like you guys interrupt me. Today it was Micah. I would like us when we pray to just focus on praying. And then if you want to pray, you can raise your hand and add. I would love that. That makes God happy. All right. Thank you. All right. So this is a celebration of God's justice. If you try to touch this, you get spankings. You know that, right? Yes, Luke. Uh, and be good. And have justice. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Okay. I will thank Yahweh. This is a for the choir director, according to Muth Laban. It's an uncertain musical term, possibly meaning soprano. Oh, daddy's the best. What's soprano? Soprano is a type of singer. Um... 
two towards until four away from and two of about the sun, young animal, grandson, or remember. Huh. Labin. It's a Davidic song. I will thank Yahweh with all my heart. I will declare all your wonderful works. I will rejoice and boast about you. I will sing about your name most high. When my enemies retreat, they stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my cause. You are seated on your throne as a righteous judge. Yes, Luke. Uh, what does Jesus do when he injustice? When what? When, what does Jesus do when he's in justice? When he does justice? Yeah. He destroys his enemies. Does right? justice mean that? He gets all the bad guys down. Like, does that mean justice? Yeah. Cade, you're not supposed to scribble. You're supposed to do nice. Yeah, but My I'm, list. Well, I, am, I'm, I am doing nice when I scribble. For you have upheld... When my enemies retreat, they stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my just cause. You are seated on your throne as a righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have erased their name forever and ever. The enemy has come to eternal ruin. You have uprooted the cities, and the very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He judges the world, don't pick your nose, with righteousness. He executes judgment on the nations with fairness. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Yahweh. Can I get, Sing um, to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Proclaim his deeds among the nations. For the one who seeks an accounting for bloodshed remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, Lord. Consider my affliction at the hands of those who hate me. Lift me up from the gates of death so that I may declare all your praises. I will rejoice in your salvation within the gates of daughter Zion. The nations have fallen into the pit they made. Their foot is caught in the net they have concealed. The Lord has revealed himself. He has executed justice, striking down the wicked by the works of their hands. By the works by the work of their hands. The wicked will return to Sheol. All the nations that forget God, for the oppressed will not always be forgotten. The hope of the afflicted will not perish forever. Rise up, Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Put terror in them, Lord. Let the nations know they are only men. Okay, let's do... Isaiah. What's the pigeonhole principle? It's not working. Let's try now. Okay. Ready? Let's see if it plays. It's it doesn't play the... It won't even play when you're in it. 
Mom, there's a bike ride at 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. Well, we can't bike in the rain. Let's see if it'll play here and for you guys to see. These chapters are the climax to this section, and it shows how Isaiah's message pointed far beyond his own day. It was a message for all who are waiting for God to bring his justice on violent, oppressive kingdoms and bring his kingdom of justice and peace and even love. The following section returns the focus to the rise and fall of Jerusalem. And first we find a whole bunch of poems where Isaiah accuses Jerusalem's leaders for turning to Egypt for military protection against Assyria. He knows this will backfire. And Isaiah says that only trust in their God and repentance can save Israel now. Which gets illustrated by the following story about the rise of Hezekiah, king of Jerusalem. Just as Isaiah predicted, the Assyrian armies come and try to attack the city. And so Hezekiah humbles himself before God and he prays for divine deliverance and the city is miraculously saved overnight. But Hezekiah's rise is immediately followed by his fall. So he hosts a delegation from Babylon and he tries to impress them by showing everything in Jerusalem's treasury and temple and palaces. It's clearly an effort to make another political alliance for protection. Isaiah hears about this and he confronts Hezekiah for his foolishness. He predicts that this ally will one day betray him and return as an enemy to conquer Jerusalem. And we know from 2 Kings chapters 24 and 25 that Isaiah was right. Over a hundred years later, Babylon would turn on Jerusalem, come and destroy the city, its temple, and carry the Israelites away to exile in Babylon. And so all of Isaiah's warnings of divine judgment in chapters 1 to 39 lead up to this moment. He's shown to be a true prophet because it all came to pass like he said. But remember, the purpose of God's judgment was to purify Jerusalem and bring the holy seed and messianic kingdom over all nations. And it's that hope that gets explored in the next part of the book. But for now, that's what Isaiah chapters 1 to 39 are all about. Okay. Let's go into this one. The book of the prophet Isaiah. In the first video, we explored chapters 1 to 39, which was Isaiah's message of judgment and hope for Jerusalem. He accused Israel's leaders of rebellion against God and said that through Assyria and then Babylon, Israel's kingdom would come crashing down in an act of God's judgment. And so chapter 39 concluded with Isaiah predicting Jerusalem's fall to Babylon in the exile. And a hundred years after Isaiah, it all sadly came to pass. But Isaiah's greater hope was for a new purified Jerusalem where God's kingdom would be restored through the future messianic king and all nations would come together in peace. And so chapters 40 and following explore this great hope. The first main section, chapters 40 to 48, open with an announcement of hope and comfort for Israel. The people are told that the Babylonian exile is over and that Israel's sin has been dealt with and a new era is beginning. So they should all return home to Jerusalem where God himself will bring his kingdom and all nations will see his glory. Now, let's stop for a moment because this opening announcement raises a big question. That is, who is saying all of this? Whose voice are we hearing in these words of hope? The perspective of the prophet in these chapters is that of somebody who's living after the exile. In other words, in the time period described by Ezra and Nehemiah. But Isaiah died 150 years before any of that. So what are we supposed to make of this? 
Well, there are many who think that it's still Isaiah in his own day speaking, but that he's been prophetically transported, so to speak, 200 years into the future, and that he's speaking to future generations as if the exile is past. However, the book of Isaiah itself gives us some clues that something else is probably going on. In chapters 8 and 29 and 30, we're told that after Isaiah was rejected by Israel's leaders, that he wrote and sealed up in a scroll all of his messages of judgment and hope, and that he passed it on to his disciples as a witness for days to come. Eventually, Isaiah died, waiting for God to vindicate his words. Now remember, chapters 1 to 39 were designed to show us that Isaiah's predictions of judgment were fulfilled in the exile. He's a true prophet. And so after exile is over, Isaiah's disciples, who have treasured his words for so long, open up the scroll and begin applying his words of hope to their own day. So on this view, the book of Isaiah consists of that first collection of Isaiah's words, as well as the writings of his prophetic disciples that God uses to extend Isaiah's message of hope to future generations. Whichever view you end up taking, everybody agrees that these chapters are announcing that the future hope has come, that God is fulfilling Isaiah's prophetic promises. So the prophet hopes that Israel will respond by becoming God's servant. That is, after experiencing God's justice and mercy through history, that they will now begin to share with the nations who God truly is. But that's not what's happening. Israel, instead of bearing witness to the nations, is actually complaining and even accusing God. They say, the Lord doesn't pay attention to our trouble. In fact, he's ignoring... What, Luke? Uh, why are you saying they don't care for doing that? They don't care? Yeah. I don't know. Well, this is going to move over the toy. The Babylonian exile, understandably, caused Israel to lose faith in their God. I mean, maybe he's not that powerful. Maybe the gods of Babylon are way greater than our God. And so the rest of these chapters, 41 to 47, are set up like a trial scene. God is responding to these doubts and accusations with the following arguments. He says first that the exile to Babylon was not divine neglect. Rather, it was divinely orchestrated as a judgment for Israel's sin. And second, it was for Israel's sake that God raised up Persia to conquer Babylon so they could come back home fulfilling Isaiah's words. So the right conclusion that Israel should draw is that their God is the king of history, not the idols of the nations. In the fall of Babylon and the rise of the Persian king Cyrus, Israel should see God's hand at work and so become his servant, telling the nations who he is. But by the end of the trial, chapter 48, we find that Israel is still as rebellious and hard-hearted as their ancestors. And so God disqualifies them as his servant, But God still is on a mission to bless the nations. And so the prophet says God's going to do a new thing to solve this problem, which moves into the next section, 49 to 55. We're introduced to a figure who's called God's servant, who's going to fulfill God's mission and do what Israel has failed to do. God gives this servant the title Israel and sends this person on a mission to, first of all, restore the people of Israel back to their God, but second, to become God's light to the nations. And we're told that this servant is empowered by God's spirit to announce good news and to bring God's kingdom over all of the nations. It sounds just like the Messianic king from chapters 9 and 11. But then we learn the surprising way of how the servant will bring God's kingdom. He's going to be rejected and beaten and ultimately killed by his own people. In reality, as he's being accused and sentenced to death, he's dying on behalf of the sin of his own people. 
The prophet says the servant's death is a sacrifice of atonement for the Mama, people's evil and rebellion. Look. And then, after his death, all of a sudden, the That's servant the is just alive. And we hear that by his death, he provided a way to make people righteous. That is, to put them in a right relationship with God. And so this section concludes by describing two ways people can respond to the servant. Some will respond with humility and turn from their sins and accept what God's servant did on their behalf. These people are called the servants and also the seed. Remember the holy seed from chapter 6. These are the ones who will experience the blessing of the messianic kingdom. But there are others who are called simply the wicked, and they reject both the servant and his servants. Which brings us to the final section of the book, 56 to 66, where the servants inherit God's kingdom. These chapters are beautifully designed as a symmetry that brings together all of the themes of the book. At the very center are three beautiful poems that describe how the spirit-empowered servant is announcing the good news of God's kingdom to the poor, and he reaffirms all of the promises of hope from earlier in the book. The new Jerusalem, inhabited by God's servants, will be the place from which God's justice and mercy and blessing flow out to all the nations of the world. And surrounding these poems are two long prayers of now, on each side of these prayers are collections of more poems that contrast the destiny of the servants with that of the wicked who persecute them. God says he's going to bring his justice on all who pollute his good world with their evil and selfishness and idolatry, and that he's going to remove them from his city forever. But the servants, those who are humble before God and who repent and own their evil, they are forgiven, and they will inherit the new Jerusalem, which, we discover, is an image for an entirely renewed creation, where death and suffering are gone forever. And this brings us to the very outer frame of this part of the book. In this renewed world of God's kingdom, people from all nations are invited to come and join the servants of God's covenant family so that everyone can know their creator and redeemer. And so the book of Isaiah ends with the very grand vision of the fulfillment of all of God's covenant promises. Through the suffering servant king, God creates a covenant family of all nations who are awaiting the hope of God's justice in bringing a renewed creation where God's kingdom finally comes here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the very powerful hope of the book of Isaiah. Okay, so that is where we are. Thank you, Micah. That's enough. Thank you. That is where we are in Isaiah. I'll read it right now because it's fresh. Isaiah. I love you, Mom. I love you. 64. Cade. You're out of time. If only you would tear, this is Isaiah 64. If only you would tear the heavens open and come down so that mountains would quake at your presence as fire kindles the wood rush and fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your enemies so that nations will tremble at your presence. Thank you for coming quickly. When you did awesome works that we did not expect, you came down. And the mountains quaked at your presence. From ancient times, no one has heard. No one has listened. No eye has seen any God except you. Who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him? You welcome the one who joyfully does what is right. They remember you in your ways, but we have sinned and you were angry. How can we be saved if we remain in our sins? All of us have become like something unclean. And all of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, 
and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. No one calls on your name, striving to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and made us melt because of our iniquity. Yet you, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are the work of your hands. Lord, do not be terribly angry or remember our iniquity forever. Okay, yes, Cade. Can you tell Micah to give me my dog? The what? My Lego dog. Micah, would you please give Cade his Lego dog? It's not his. Yes, it is. Okay, I don't know whose it is. Tell her the story, Micah. Stop. So. I'm, I'm not going to get into it right now. Okay. Can I? No. Basically. I'm in the middle. I just said no. I'm in the middle of this. Wait till after. Please look. All of us are your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful temple, where our fathers praised you, has been burned with fire. And all that was dear to us lies in ruins. Lord, after all this, will you restrain yourself? Will you keep silent and afflict severely? All right. Um, I expect that your own, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your conscience, both of you. And that you'll end up doing the right thing. Okay. This says, wicked men don't set an ambush at the camp of the righteous man. Don't destroy his dwelling. All right. What is he telling us? What do we learn? Wicked men don't set an ambush at the camp of the righteous man. Don't destroy his dwelling. God is telling the bad people don't hurt the people. Yeah. And he says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get up. But the wicked will stumble into ruin. Kate, what did you learn there? That the wicked will stumble into ruin. Mm-hmm. And if the righteous man falls, what happens? And if the righteous man falls... Um, he'll die no that's not what it says he'll get up sometimes he'll get up he'll get up basically god's saying oh man the righteous man he'll get up again and again and again all right hope it's your turn listen don't gloat when your enemy falls and don't let your heart rejoice when he stumbles or the lord will see be displeased and turn his wrath away from him what does that mean that the Lord will be I asked Hope. I asked Hope. Hope? Don't gloat when your enemy falls and don't let your heart rejoice when he stumbles. What does it mean? Don't let your heart rejoice when somebody stumbles. When your enemy falls. What happens if somebody that you really dislike gets hurt? Should you be happy? No. No, we should not. Okay, very good. Okay, this is your turn. Don't be agitated by evildoers and don't envy the wicked. For the evil have no future. And the lamp of the wicked will be put out. What is God saying? That uh, the wicked will be in the dumps. Should you want stuff that the wicked have? No. No, you don't want that stuff. Should you... Get angry from evildoers? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Because you know why? 
God says they don't have any future anyway. So we can have faces. No, you shouldn't let them bother your heart. You should just say to God, oh, you need to deal with them, right? Cha-cha! Does that make sense? Instead of you dealing with the wicked, who do you let deal with the wicked? God. Yes. Kate. We don't deal with the wicked. It's, yeah. It's bad. Just let God deal with the wicked. He knows how to deal with them. And really what you want for the wicked is you want God to um, correct them. You don't want bad things for the wicked. In our hearts. You want them to turn to God. Yeah, the, the be dead. Okay, now let's do this one. Literally, Mark six. What kid? Mark six seventeen to twenty nine. We want the wicked to get help from God. All right. Herod had sent soldiers. Oh wait, no. I think this is the wrong one. Stop rocking me, Luke. <laughs> Matthew, look at me. If you rock me, you're gonna get down. Three to twelve. Okay, Matthew 3 to 12. This is when Herod kills John the Baptist. Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias. This is the former wife of Herod's brother, Philip. Yeah. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot. Why was he afraid of a riot? Yes, all the people believed John was a prophet. That's right. Which but yep. Yeah, but at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias's daughter performed a dance that pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, "I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray." Okay, and then the king regretted that what he had said because of the vow he made in front of his guests, he had to issue the necessary, he issued the necessary orders. He could have gone back on it. He didn't have to. He could have changed his mind. He was, you know, the king, but he was a wimp. Um, and he, and his wife was a bad woman. So as a woman, Hopi, you can influence a lot of things as a woman. Go, you need to go down. You're not sitting nice. You can influence a lot of things as a woman. And boys, when you take a wife, you have to be careful about what, pray about her heart. Because your wives can do bad things. Also, you are... You have to pick somebody that loves Jesus. And... Um, you can influence what she does as the husband and the leader of the home. Okay? Kate, yes, Cade. What if they are, what if they don't know you, but you make them just like you had? That's okay. That God says to be equally yoked, so hopefully that coming to know Jesus would happen before you get married, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, John was beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother okay do you think that this young girl was like ah whatever here's the head of a of a man or do you think she was probably horrified 
I think she was traumatized by that. I mean, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but I don't think that those things happen without trauma. Trauma bana. Do you know what trauma is? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, Hopi, what is trauma? Trauma means really scary. Yeah, scary. Hopi, do you know what trauma is? Uh, to see a dead body. Yeah, like it really hurt the lady, the daughter. I'm sure she didn't have that happen and not be affected. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what happened. So they buried him. I'm sure it was extremely sad. And then they had to tell Jesus about it, which I'm sure was also sad. Herod Antipas was one of three rulers over four districts of Palestine. And his territory included the regions of Galilee and Perea. So let's see if I can show you this in Lagos. No, you were too wiggly. Yes, Cade. Okay, so basically, I said, I want my dog. And he was probably mistaken by me saying, I want my dog. And he said, you can have a robot dog. And I said, no. I said I wanted to have a dog with a blue collar, and I was going to change it. But instead, he just stole my dog and my uh, Minecraft Lego dog. And... Micah, what's your version of the story? Was it Cade's? My version of the story is he gave it to me, and I made him a dog. I never gave it to you, and I hated the dog. Yes, you hated the dog I gave to you, and how do you think that makes you deserve to have the real one? I didn't even like it. How, how, how would you ever You said you would give it to me, and I made you a robot dog. You agreed to it, and if you're not happy with it, it's your I don't remember ever doing that. Micah, what? what is the right story here? The right story is he agreed to give me his dog and I was going to make him a dog. He doesn't remember it. And he also <laughs> said he didn't like the dog. So I don't know... Oh, I don't know how you don't remember it, but also you don't like it, Cade. I don't ever remember saying you can have the dog. Was it Cade's, Micah? Mm-hmm, he gave it to me. No, I Actually, did. I can't even remember whose it was in the first place. It was mine. It may have been mine, and then I gave it to him. It may have been his. No, I, it ended up mine. I bought a set, and then What was the set? It. What was the set? You know, I don't even remember <laughs> A Minecraft Lego set that I got. A Minecraft Lego set. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to say Micah, give the dog back. Why? Because it was his in the set. And he gave it to me. I don't... You guys argue about this all the time. If you want to trade things in the future, you have to come to me so I can know about it. He never trades anything with me for that. Then stop trading with him. Give it back, Micah. Taking all the parts off that are mine. Which is most of it, actually. What? I changed it a lot. I can't find the atlas. Where are the actual pieces? You, this is yucky. Micah, what? give him the pieces back. Mama! 
Most of the pieces Wait, on the dog were not the original ones. I added a lot of it. I can't find the... And I gave him the pieces. He probably mm. has the pieces that came with the set in his Lego box or something. No, I don't. Then it's your fault. Mama, no. you popped the balloon. You don't walk behind me. Popped my Don't walk ear behind right. me. Your ear hurt? No, don't go anywhere. I'm trying to find an atlas. Atlas of Palestine. Here's an atlas. Okay. That's on myself. This is history maps. Kitty? Okay, Galilee and Perea is not going to be on here. Galilee. Galilee. Perea. Map. Be quiet. Be quiet. Try to stop the cat from eating tape. Okay, there's Galilee and Perea. I'll go get them. This is the area that Herod Antipas was one of the rulers of. Galilee and Perea. Can you see that? That one. He was the son of Herod the Great who ordered the killing of the babies in Bethlehem. Why is he considered great if he killed, if he killed babies? He was the son of Herod the Great, probably because he had a large kingdom. Um, and he heard Jesus' yeah, case before. So Listen. Are you able to be quiet when somebody else is talking? Okay. He heard Jesus' case before his crucifixion. Palestine was divided into four... Di okay, that's for another day. Okay. Oh, 